invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, I'll be looking at a familiar scripture. In fact, we read some of this passage just a few weeks ago, but I want to look at it again and uh, we'll pick out a, a particular uh, part of this, this passage a particular aspect, another aspect of the fruit of the Spirit this morning. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit now this this passage makes it very clear that there is a conflict between the walk in the spirit and the walk or the life in the flesh and gratifying the desires of the flesh. What the, the appetites of the flesh uh, go contrary to, and when, that, that, when those appetites rule and master an individual, then uh, that is in direct contradiction to how the spirit would call us to live. The flesh and the spirit, he says here in verse 17, are opposed to each other. The flesh, the pull of the flesh is strong. And so people uh, are not able to do what they know is right to do. And it makes victories hard to come by when people, when people um, just try on their, on their own. And even as Christians, we can struggle with, uh, with the desires of the flesh. In, uh, in verse 23, there is a word, temperance. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, meekness, temperance. Temperance is self-control. And that's what we want to think about this morning. Self-control. When uh, Paul was in prison, 
Felix, the governor, had him in his in, in a cell, and there were times when Felix would call uh, Paul to to speak to him. He'd visit with him, and <clears throat> Paul talked to him about faith in Christ. He talked to him about righteousness. He talked to him about judgment to come. And he talked to him about temperance, about self-control. And this conversation bothered Felix. It says he trembled. He was alarmed when he thought about this. And he could see, he could understand the uh, shortcomings in his own life. He was a wicked man. He was... Uh, he was unrighteous. He was. He did what his flesh uh, suggested that he do. He followed the desires of the flesh, and and he took Paul seriously when Paul said, "There's judgment coming," and that's what alarmed him. And he said, uh, "Just." He dismissed Paul and said, uh, "We're we're done talking now. Just go your way for now." and and uh, at other convenient opportunities, we'll, we'll talk some more. Uh, Paul was in prison there for a couple of years. And occasionally, Felix would invite him to, uh, and they would have a, a visit together. And I don't know what they talked about those other times. But uh, uh, eventually, after two years, he was, Felix was, uh, replaced by Festus and Felix moved on and he left Paul in prison and it was from there that Paul appealed to Rome and to Caesar as far as we know uh, Felix's life was unchanged and I don't know whether when he left he thought about Paul and what Paul said and about his own unrighteousness and wickedness and you know, whether that continued to bother him, uh, we don't know. But uh, he certainly was more responsible than, than he was before he had those conversations with Paul. But we can look at ourselves and we can read this list and uh, look at ourselves. And, you know, we can see areas maybe that, that uh, aren't all they should be, that don't shine as brightly as, as uh, we know God would call us to shine. And uh, one area might be the area of self-control and self-discipline. Self the scriptures tell us that we are to have it. It is, uh, it is a spiritual fruit, and we're supposed to have it. Uh, if you turn with me to, uh, to Titus in the second chapter. <clears throat> Titus chapter 2, <clears throat> he's telling, Paul wrote this to Titus and says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And then in verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, or self-controlled, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. So old men are supposed to be self-controlled. It doesn't say at what point uh, you become 
aged, but they're to have self-control. Verse 3, the aged women likewise. So old ladies are supposed to be self-controlled also. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love children, to be discreet. And, and some translations uh, uh, translate that self-controlled. It's the same word as the temperate there in verse 2. So the young ladies are to be self-controlled, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. And there, some translations say self-controlled for sober-minded. The Amplified uh, combines those two thoughts and says self-restrained and to behave prudently. So it looks to me like Christians, whether young or old, are called to be self-controlled. And of course, it is a fruit of the Spirit. And we're to have the Spirit, and that fruit is to be growing in us. In 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy, it tells us, in chapter 3, in the first three verses. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, or without self-control, fierce despisers of those that are good. So in the last days, in these last days, in these last perilous days, uh, there will be uh, men, lovers of themselves, and without self-control, along with a host of other Awful things without self-control. In First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, it gives the same thought. But the end of all things is at hand. Well, it's a little different thought. But it says the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And there the, uh, the Amplified says, for sober, keep sound-minded and self-restrained and watch unto prayer. I believe the scriptures tell us, we could turn to first, uh, to Second Thessalonians and, and look at some of the end time things that it talks about there, the increase in wickedness and lawlessness. I believe there's going to be and is an, an, an increase in, of these symptoms uh, in, among men, among mankind. <clears throat> I, I uh, 
picked up an article a few months ago and stuck it aside, uh, thinking that sometime I would preach this message. But uh, the title of this, uh, this article is You Versus Temptation. Why self-control has gotten so hard. And he mentions in here that human nature hasn't changed, but the landscape of temptation sure has. Technology is a leading culprit. From refrigeration to credit cards to automobiles to the Internet, technology makes it possible for more and more people to live surrounded by supernormal stimuli. Technology goes hand in hand with capitalism, which plays a large but complex role as well. As consumers, uh, capitalism beckons and seduces us at every turn to indulge. In the future, self-control is only going to get harder. Now, that's, that's uh, not written from a uh, Christian perspective at all, but he's, he's saying that uh, he sees an increase in, in, the, in temptation and an increase in a lack of self-control. Now, uh, self-control has been a problem for man from, from the ages since the beginning, and it's not a new problem. And it was certainly uh, uh, an issue back there in the days of, of, uh, of Paul and the early church. And that's why Paul was exhorting the uh, Titus to teach the men, young or old, teach the women, young or old, you need to be self-controlled. And he taught that it is a, a fruit of the Spirit. He told us how we can grow in that area of our life. Now, there are different ways that self-control is described in the Scriptures, and I'd like to look at a few of them. Uh, turn with me to James chapter 3. Uh, last year sometime, I, I, I read a book on uh, self-control, and uh, <coughs> I failed to jot down, I took some a few notes from it, but I failed to jot down the title of the book. I, sorry, I can't credit the author, but, but he had, he, in, in one section of the book, he, he mentioned these different places uh, in the scripture, and I thought it was interesting, and we'll, we'll look at these, these places that mention different ways that self-control is described in, in the Bible. And in James 3, it has uh, uh, several of them. If we begin at verse uh, 1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. So here he's describing self-control as, as a bit and bridle on, on a horse. 
Many of you have probably ridden a horse at some time or other. Uh, we had a horse at home when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, grandpa's buggy horse. And it was an easy horse to ride. Uh, and and uh, I, I was never uh, really an expert rider at all. But that, that horse was very sensitive and easy to guide. And, and uh, somewhere along the way, it had learned, uh, it was trained to, uh, to, uh, that, to, that it could be neck rein, you know, just laying the, the rein over against the, the neck and it would go this way, pull it against it this way, just touch the neck, even without a rein, out in the field, get on, and you could guide the horse around. Uh, but most horses, you would carefully put in a, a, a bit and bridle and pull, and it turns and goes this way or that way, or pulling a buggy down the roads. Some of you could tell us about that. And, uh, and you can guide a horse. Uh, sometimes that's, that's a lot of muscle, a lot of weight. And just to get a hold of a horse by the mane and try to drag it around would never work. But with a horse and a bridle, a trained horse, uh, it can be controlled. That's, that's one description of self-control. He gives another in the very next verse. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever, whithersoever the governor listeth. So here it is, uh, self-control is described as a ship's rudder. Though the ship is big and weighs many tons, and it's going in one direction, if the pilot turns the wheel and the However, they're all connected, probably hydraulics or something by now, or servos and so forth. The rudder turns at the back, uh, and, and it guides a ship. Self-control can guide a person to do the right things. All right, in the next verse, we have a third. Though here it is describing a lack of self-control. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell, for every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Fire, out of control. You know, in uh, Manitoba, I had a note from Pete Peters, several of them, in fact, here over the last couple of weeks, there's a forest fire raging loose up there out of control. It's burned a, a number of homes. I'm, I'm not sure how many. And there's a a Mennonite church up there in the area too that uh, uh, I don't think any of them lost their any homes, but of their homes, 
but they've been helping neighbors that that lost homes and it was really quite a frightening quite a frightening time and it wasn't completely out the last last I heard but fire out of control is a, an awful and frightening frightening thing uh, <clears throat> we lost uh, a trailer our double wide trailer back in in 79 to uh, fire but fire in a stove fire in a fire pit uh, that's nice it's safe it's useful for heating for cooking and uh, here recently uh, this past, well I've heated with we've heated with wood for years but this past uh, past December we put a stove upstairs again in our living room and somebody asked me about that you know you lost the house once to fire and uh, you know I I am very I was very careful I even went through the sheetrock into the wall and checking the chimney and did some pointing up and and uh, making sure that there were plenty of clearances and I uh, put a uh, some concrete board behind the behind the stove so that'd be uh, with airspace behind it, one inch of airspace, and the stove has a has a panel, a heat shield on the back too. So you know I can put my hand on the wall back there on that board and it's uh, it doesn't burn. So you know I was very concerned that that be that the stove uh, that the fire always be carefully kept inside the stove where, where it belongs. <clears throat> but uncontrolled, that's, that's bad news. But self-control is like a fire in control. It's useful and we, we need it. We need heat sources. Another example that the Bible gives is uh, found in Proverbs, uh, the fourth one, Proverbs 25, verse 28. You don't have to turn to that if you don't want to. He that hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. I was reading through the prophecies. We were getting into the minor prophets here this quarter, but I was reading earlier been reading in Ezekiel just now, and uh, you know, you read about cities, fortified cities, thick, strong walls, and you read about sieges and battering rams and uh, earthworks piled against the walls. It took a lot of effort against those strong cities to conquer them. And this verse here is saying that uh, he who has a person without self-control is like walls broken down. There's no defense. He reacts to circumstances. He succumbs to temptations. But strong walls, self-control is like strong walls, a fortified city. In Proverbs 16, verse 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, who has self-control, controls his, his spirit, he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Self-control. Slow to anger. Won't be swept away by rage and lose control. 
There's strength in, in self-control. There is security. There is protection. How many crimes are committed uh, just from uh, somebody uh, going into a rage? A fifth example. In 2 Timothy 2, first uh, four verses there. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Catch that. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Self-control is like a well-trained soldier. He's uh, self-disciplined. There's a toughness there. There's a strength to make the hard choices. And he abstains from and he renounces those things that would displease his commandment, his commander. Uh, he lays aside distractions and those things that would uh, weaken him and make him less effective. He's not a civilian. He's not involved in civilian pursuits. He's not entangled with the affairs of this life. Recently, I read a uh, uh, there was a, a young soldier that was killed, I think, in Afghanistan. And a fellow soldier was remembering him. And he, he wrote how focused this young man had been before a mission. And uh, he would, uh, like the day before, he would collect everything that they would need. He would organize it, uh, the things that he needed, spare parts, batteries. If anything went wrong, he'd have extra ones, and he would quietly review the mission. They would all gather together, but the other guys would be laughing and joking and playing cards or whatever, and, and he was just focused. And, uh, and he just, just concentrated on preparation and what, what they would be doing on that mission. And, of course, he died. But uh, an example that of the kind of soldier that Paul was referring to here. And a good soldier requires, uh, to be a good soldier requires self-control. And, and uh, we, we need that. Later on in that chapter, it mentions a number of disciplines that, that, uh, that commandments Study to show thyself approved unto God, zeal and effort. Shun profane and vain babblings. Depart from iniquity. Purge yourself from dishonorable things. Flee youthful lusts. Uh, follow righteousness. Avoid foolish and unlearned questions that stir up strife. The, uh, the sixth example is similar. Uh, an athlete, a self-control is, is as a, a well-trained athlete. And uh, the same chapter here in verse 5, 
If a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. And then if you go to uh, 1 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse uh, 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my bo- under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So he's speaking of a runner. He switches from runner to a boxer there in the uh, verse 26. But a, an, an athlete uh, in training is very careful. He trains hard. He works hard. He strains. He grunts. He exercises. He follows a uh, a uh, a schedule and an exercise program that would be difficult for most of us uh, to follow. And it helps get him in shape. And it takes self-discipline, self-control. The seventh one is from... Uh, from Matthew's invitation of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The metaphor there, discipline, discipleship, a disciple accepting, taking on the yoke and the discipline of following Christ's commands. I want to grow in self-control. I can look at areas in my life where I need more self-control. And uh, I believe we can. I know we can. We can grow in self-control, self-discipline. And uh, there's a difference between just willpower and uh, this fruit of the spirit of self-control and temperance. It is a spirit work. It, in, it involves personal effort, but it involves the spirit of God as well. And it begins with, with a true repentance and a commitment to Christ. You know, that's how we begin the Christian life. That's how we live and grow in the Christian life. Uh, we repent and we accept Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. And we receive the spirit of God. And then we continue in that continuing to repent, continuing in our commitment. In the passage we began with there from uh, Galatians 5, he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And in that verse 18, but if ye be led of the spirit, and that is, uh, that is, a present and ongoing uh, following the Spirit as He leads, walking in the Spirit. It's an ongoing present tense, continually led by the Spirit. Uh, 
And that means that we feed on the Word of God, we pray, we obey. We repent, we feed on the Word, we pray, we obey. And when we fail, we repent. We feed on the Word, we pray, we obey. Now, sinners, I said, uh, I mean, I said there's a there, non-Christians can have a self-control and willpower. They can control sinners can even control themselves uh, to a degree and in certain areas, maybe many areas. And they they can. Uh, they try different things to uh, motivate themselves <clears throat> Uh, in that same article, it mentioned how uh, a couple of economists, Dean Carlin and John Romalis, each agreed to lose 38 pounds in six months. Or they would forfeit half of, each would forfeit uh, half of his annual salary to the other one if he didn't make it. Would that be motivating? A promise. I'm going to lose 38 pounds or you get half of my income for a year of, for the year. Well, it worked. They lost they lost weight. They lost 38 pounds, probably 39. And then they made a similar deal afterwards to uh, to to keep the weight off. And I guess it worked out. At least uh, Mr. Carlin went on to find a little company that uh, where a person could give the credit, their credit card number and a promise and a legally binding agreement that if they didn't meet the, their, their, uh, their goal, that they would forfeit the money that they had agreed to forfeit. Well, that might be helpful. But self-control is not godliness. And Christian self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And it is a body that is mastered by the mind of a Spirit-controlled Christian. That's what I believe uh, Christian temperance, Christian self-control is. It's the daily walk in life with God, with all the everyday choices that we face. Sometimes we're looking at good, better, best. Sometimes we're looking between good and poor, or good and awful. But we have these things every, every day. It's part of life. It may be such a minor thing as a second piece of pie when, uh, you know, over one. Or maybe for some of us, none sometimes. It may be a matter of, of impulse buying, buying. I want it, I get it. But I don't really need it. At least I don't now. It might be a problem with procrastination versus industriously getting on with the job. I've had trouble with procrastination. I still do. 
It could be a choice between picking up the Bible versus uh, a magazine or surfing the news. A uh, number of our people were challenged by Brother Ronnie's messages about Bible reading at the youth rally. I checked on one of those uh, brothers <clears throat> recently, and and uh, he was two days behind. God bless that young man. It blessed me. He was two days behind. He's been he's been keeping up two days at two days behind for uh, several weeks, I think, and he's. He's planning to, to catch up, but he's determined. It could be that prayer time instead of, you know, just getting on with the day's work. It's all right there in front of me and I've got things to do and and just not take the time that prayer should get. It might be fasting. That's a that's a personal that's a, a discipline. It comes down to delayed gratification versus instant gratification, the long-term joy versus the short-term pleasure. Esau fell into that, despised his birthright. Daniel, though he was in a far country, far from mom and dad and uh his people, he knew who he was and he would not eat the king's food. Joseph said no to temptation in Potiphar's house. He saw the long-term consequences and the reward for faithfulness. And he said, how, can, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He didn't. Paul could have chosen the easy route. He could have had honor and esteem instead of mocking and curses. He could have avoided the beatings and the stonings and the shipwrecks and the lack of food and shelter. But no, he followed Christ. In the voice of the martyrs, magazines and books that you can get from order from them, they tell stories of Christians, uh, young and old, who have followed Christ regardless of the cost. Sometimes it costs their, their life. Big things, little things. Self-control grows with maturity. If there's maturing, there will be growth in self-control. It grows with training. In 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. And Hebrews 5, 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised 
to discern both good and evil. They read the Bible. They have committed themselves to God, to their, to Christ, their master. They follow him. And as they follow, they're strengthened. And they grow stronger. You know, I think in many things, as we grow, we've become trained to do the right thing. Uh, as, a, as just a Christian response. And we don't go, you know, we don't go through some laborious uh, process to try to decide whether it would be, say you found a bunch of money uh, in a parking lot. And, you know, what is the right thing to do? Let's say it was a couple thousand dollars. And you know it's not yours. So what, would we struggle for hours and days to try to decide what to do with that, we'd probably, I hope we would just, you know, know what the right thing would be to do, to uh, take it to the authorities. And, you know, that happened just uh, uh, several months ago. Uh, a teenage girl found $2,000 in a parking lot in Texas, in Dallas. And she took it to the police and said that uh, she found this. It's not hers. And I suppose they thought, wow. They said, well, look, uh, if nobody shows up for this in three months, you can have it. Uh, three months later, nobody had uh, showed up to claim it. But the city had changed its mind. I guess, you know, um, funding problems or whatever, they decided they needed to keep it and couldn't give it to her. Well, it made a big stink and got in the news and uh, the community was really upset and a big outcry. Some, somebody donated $4,000 to that young girl just as a reward for being honest. And then the city changed their minds <laughs> to sort of save face and gave her the 2000 on top of it. So. We should grow in that area to know and follow without struggle and do the right thing. And we grow with practice. It is possible by the grace of God to develop, to grow in the area of self-control. It is possible to be delivered from the dominion of sinful, selfish habits. It is possible to choose right and to do it, uh, to do the best thing for the glory of Christ, the glory of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. May God bless us and help us grow in that area of our Christian lives. Shall we have a closing song?